Hi there, and welcome to this bonus preview edition of the Jazznet Weekly Podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers show made by fans for fans, where all of our content is always absolutely free. And as you know by now, guys, it's not just the podcast that we have here at Jazznet, but if you head over to our website at www.jazznet.co.uk, there's a whole host of really great information and content there as well, including a very friendly discussion forum, plenty of articles around match previews and reviews, things like that, uh, as well as a really informative history archive. So please do head over to the website and check that out. My name is Ross Bennett. I'm going to be our podcast host this evening. Um, we're here to talk you through the, uh, the a little bit of a preview looking ahead to tomorrow night's uh, away trip to St Johnston in the uh, in the Scottish Professional uh, Football League Premiership. Um, I'm here with my good friend and colleague Alex Armstrong. Alex, how are you this evening? Yeah, not bad, sir. Not bad. Um, just good to be back on and try and make up for the, the, the aberration we had on Sunday. Try, yeah. I don't know if anybody... Nobody heard it, but people might have tried to <laughs> people might have tried to to watch our little post-match podcast reaction podcast, yeah. uh, which basically kind of summed up the way the day had just went for all of us. I, I, I blame Colin Armstrong. I, I, I just I don't think it's a coincidence that I, I I made the mistake of praising you as a host, and then suddenly the wind mysteriously cuts out all the sounds. Exactly. Exactly. Know, but, I'm sure I've seen him blowing into the mic there as we were trying to talk. I mean, it was it was a shame because you know, for, as as we as we said on that pod, but that no one got to hear. It was it was our first time meeting each other in person, and yeah. um, I'd had a, a a bit of a weekend of it. I'd got the I'd been out in Leeds the night before. Got an early bus with the Harrogate True Blues. By the way, a, a massive thanks to them for letting me hitch a ride. So, bit of an early start. I got the sleeper train back down on Sunday night down to London. So. Um, not a good day for me, all told. I was up far too early, up far too late, no sleep, shite football. There we go. I mean, you, just, you, you think the one thing I can rely on is the team that's pulled off the best result in European football on Thursday night, you know, and across the whole of Europe, they're definitely going to help me with my, with my Sunday. Exactly. I, I... <laughs> No, never happened. Well, look, Alec, before we get into the into the show, I should remind the folks listening that uh, we are live tonight. It's just gone nine o'clock on uh, Tuesday, the 1st of March, 2022. If you're joining us live on the YouTube channel, thank you so much for giving us your Tuesday evening. Let us know your questions, your thoughts, your comments, how you're feeling after Sunday and how you're feeling ahead of tomorrow. We'll get to as many of those as we can. The podcast is always available for download first thing the following morning, so that'll be tomorrow. And that's wherever you get your podcast from, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Make sure you give us a wee like and a subscribe and you'll never miss a thing from Chairsnet. Um, Alec, actually, before we uh, before we get on to look at St Johnston, one other little thing that's kind of crept out in the Twitter sphere today, a bit of a rumour. Um, as we know, the, the, the World Cup schedule, or we've got a World Cup coming up later this year, the, the timing of it or the scheduling of it is something that we've never seen before and that it's going to be a winter World Cup um, as FIFA in, in all of their infinite wisdom have decided that we're all heading to Qatar um, to play football in 40 degree heat. That kind of messes with our domestic schedule a little bit, but something has started to emerge today on Twitter that apparently is being confirmed in the coming days, which is that Rangers and Celtic in November are expected to head to play a sort of friendly exhibition match at uh, a large stadium in Sydney, Australia. Now, we've seen over the last probably 10 years or so the, the rise in prominence of these kinds of exhibition matches in pre-season for, for Premier League sides and uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, etc. And it started off, it would be a, a Man United versus Barcelona playing in Los Angeles or a Chelsea versus AC Milan in 
uh, Mumbai or something like that to try and, I guess, generate buzz and interest and ultimately ticket sales and sponsor uh, merchandising and sponsorships and all the rest of it, revenue generation in alternative markets. Um, but we've never we then saw it kind of develop into well, it's not Manchester Bar- Man United Barcelona, it's Man United Liverpool or United City. Uh, so it became a little bit teams that would never actually play each other in a friendly are now playing each other in friendlies yeah. for, for commercial reasons. Um, Rangers and Celtic have never bought into this or um, ha- haven't done so so far, but it does seem like pretty strong rumours. And obviously, as I say, we're going out on Tuesday, the 1st of, of March. And by the time it gets to sort of the 2nd of March, it might be this whole thing's been debunked. But if this is to happen, if the old firm are going to play each other in a friendly somewhere that not many Rangers fans are likely to be able to get to, um, we obviously saw how many we took to Leipzig for a friendly, but Sydney, slightly different. Um, what's your what's your immediate reaction to this, if, if this does go ahead? Yeah, kind of mixture of uh, hilarity and disgust, really. It's, it's, it's kind of right down the middle. I think um, what, what we're doing here, uh, if we're involved, and this, as you say, we've got to stay at this moment in time, it's a big if. Um, it's been reported in the, I just saw it quickly there, I, I just heard about it, um, just basically what you were telling me before we came on air really, Ross, I've been I've been uh, actually doing some work today, it's a change for me, um, but no, to me it looks like they, if, if it's going to happen, it's on the BBC uh, Scotland website, we know they're always uh, on, on Rangers' side, uh, so what it looks like to me is it's like they're trying that American franchising thing that football's been, been trying, you're getting the, you know, we're getting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing in you know, at Wembley and, you know, uh, and football's trying to kind of reciprocate, go down that model, especially at the higher end, but it is all, you know, your Super League clubs are, are, are basically, well, half of them are owned by Americans as well. So that, that's, that's the model they're chasing, just kind of spreading the, the, the global kind of branding. Um, I think that the supports to be looking at is probably your, you know, expats, you know, you could probably, you could probably fill the stadium, uh, whatever stadium they're playing at in Australia. Uh, with uh, Rangers and Celtic supporting expats, uh, no problem. I'd be interested to see, you know, what the distance, you know, and the the kind of uh, the sunnier lifestyle over there does to the crowd if they're if they're merging. But I think the first instinct we've all had is the fact that it's a, a kind of franchising thing just takes you back to the very the very reason that the Scottish popular press at the beginning of the last century coined the phrase "old firm." Um, and if we're going to get involved in a friendly, uh, I would be all for that. I would be. I, I, I used to be all for anything that could dilute the the toxicity that exists between Rangers and Celtic. Um, when I was a lad, when I was growing up, the the clubs themselves were always very careful to to say the right thing and, and do the right thing with each other. Um, most most of the time, because they knew they could set off the fans. But I'd say since the Peter Law days at Celtic, that's been uh, pretty much. The opposite has been happening. The, the, their attitude towards us has been nothing short of disgusting. Um, refusing to be involved in a phrase with us—a phrase that's actually a pejorative phrase. I always go on about this. You know, it's actually a slagging for both for both clubs. They're just milking the support. They're milking the fact that you know they could they could play tiddlywinks in Timbuktu and they would get a crowd and they would get money out of it. And that's exactly what they're doing here. If it's if it's going ahead, um, normally I'd have been all for it. It used to be Rangers Celtic friendlies involved Rangers and Celtic select teams. You know, they would there be a mixture of both of both teams, and this, it, it was easier to have a friendly where it was a select coming from the old firm, um, than have them playing each other in a friendly. 
Uh, Glasgow Cup, not I meant to be in a friendly, but I think the the elephant in the room um, is that why is the team that has denied that they're even involved in a phrase with us suddenly wanted wanting to play us uh, in a friendly, and why today of all days, without getting into things that really aren't our place to talk about, um, why is that suddenly been been mooted today when it's been been pretty pretty clear for the last ten years that we don't exist and they don't want anything to do with us. This, uh, we're not half of anything stuff, right? Yeah. The club. Uh, Banning the phrase old firm, you know, yeah. or, you know, amongst their employees, yeah. you know, not, not stating it in their programme, you know. Um, I mean, beyond po-faced, you know, it's yeah. kind of try to write us off the map. You know? I mean, and, and going even further, I mean, there's strong, strong suggestion that Celtic have been in contact with media outlets that have used the phrase old firm yeah. and told them not to. Um, While at the yeah. same time refreshing the you know, refreshing the copyright, refreshing the, the trademark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, this whole we're not half of anything. We're not associated with them. Pandering to the you know the dregs of their own support, um, and yet, well, let's go and exploit this relationship that we have. I would be over- I would be interested to know, Ross. I'd be interested to know what it is that's inspired them to to suddenly to have a, a complete vault fast on their their mm-hmm. policy towards Rangers publicly. Um, and why it's why it's today of all days. I'd just like Celtic to come out and tell us why that's uh, suddenly something they're not shouting down. You know? Well, look, let's let's not skirt around this issue. So today of all days, um, CGM fifty five here on uh, on the chat's kind of alluding to it as well. Could this news from the other side of the city be a slight diversion from any other news today? Um, if anyone's kind of not kept up to date with that news or, or seen that news today, uh, it's been kind of allowed by a, a judge in, in Scottish court that for a class action lawsuit to be brought by survivors of sexual of historic child sexual abuse at Celtic Football Club. Um, now, could you be cynical and say that the, the, this news seeping out in the way that it has done has been strategic so that that's not what's discussed on Super Scoreboard and that's not what's discussed on the back pages? I, I don't know, Alec. I don't. I don't work in the media. I don't know how these things work. But well, we've just, we've just, as you've said, Ross, uh, earlier on, it seems to be that a story like this involving the phrase "old firm" uh, would be shut down by one club. Yeah. Um, and it seems to be all over the front of the uh, the, the main page of the BBC Scotland uh, sports sports website. Uh, so whoever can finagles these things from Celtic to make sure that there's no talk of the old firm. They've, they've not been doing their job today in that respect, mm-hmm. you know. And look, listen, I hate this. This it, is it's the stuff that leads to oh, this, this is the toxicity I'm talking about. Um, amongst fans, at least I've seen disgusting things. There's been victims of child sex abuse at all all clubs, you know, we've, we've got problems ourselves. And I I, I just I, I hate the idea. There's no way we're using that um as a as something to hit each other with over like, you know, a, a petty football rivalry. But it's the fact that there's a sudden change in policy um, from Celtic. They're not shutting down the use of the phrase "old firm" today. They're not shutting down these reports. They're not coming out to to mute them uh, to, to to mute them uh, as they usually did so effectively under Lowell. So I don't know. I don't know. I I hope it's all just a a big coincidence. But this is the this is the problem Celtic have got themselves in their attitude towards us for the last ten years. Um, that just leaves us with only one conclusion to come to us. It's just we're just going, we're just going by their policy towards us, yeah. you know, and that seems to be um a real change in that today. And um right, we need listen, we give Celtic a chance, they can come out and just say it's you know there's no friendly taking place or it's nothing to do with them, or you know, or Rangers will come out and say they're not involved in it at all. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, 
Uh, we're in a situation just now where I think it just kind of highlights how toxic things have become and whether these friendlies happen or not, Celtic have really got to change this kind of Orwellian policy they have towards Rangers. Yeah. Well, and I, in my opinion, taking, taking them out of the equation, there has been a lot of debate today in sort of online forums and, and, and Twitter and all the rest of it amongst Rangers fans is, the question is this actually something we would like to be involved in is this actually is this, it might well be a severe kind of miscalculation from the senior management at our club to think that we could ever be involved in anything that could be described as friendly with them and one of the things that makes this this derby so unique is the level of passion and you'd never see uh, a kind of uh, an Eastern European derby, you know, some of the, the Eastern European derbies with the passion and the, the the level of animosity that they have, or a Boca Juniors River Plate from Argentina. Yeah, I find it very very hard to fathom clubs like that going up against each other. Now, I'm not saying we need to be comparing ourselves and, and the level of our hatred for our rivals on that, as if that's some kind of benchmark that we should be aiming for. But it is, I find it really really bizarre. Obviously, there's commercial implications, right? And as you say expats will sell out you'll have all the sort of hospitality and all the rest of it you're hoping to attract new fans and get new market share over there and in a country that believe it or not is pretty football soccer if you want to call it that pretty football daft now you know oh yeah maybe it wasn't 30 odd years ago but no always has been i think and the, the, you're talking about the, the eastern european thing it, it used to be like in the, back in the day before australia a bit like um, the States, there's also this real real strong undercurrent of, of, yeah. of football or soccer, um, as they may be calling it, and they can't quite get the National League going because they've got other sports that dominate TV yeah. uh, revenue. But it used to be, I mean, like all the expat communities over there, it was the Eastern Europeans, the, the, the Greeks, um, you know, and yeah. while Yugoslavia, but, you know, we're playing we're playing West Star Belgrade um, next week, but while Yugoslavia was still the one country, um, it was in Australia, and the, the the football leagues they had over there, that the expats uh, were having, you know, Serbia versus Croatia on the football field on a Sunday, you know, and, and the little local leagues and all that, and it got so out of hand that they had to kind of stop half these games. Yeah. So it's definitely there. I've always personally wanted the toxicity removed. Well, I don't like hate. You know, there's very few things in life I actually hate. You know, and I certainly wouldn't waste my hate in a football club. But feeling a constant wave of hate coming towards you simply for existing. Yeah. Um, really, it's really rocked my faith uh, in, in football as a sport that unites. And I would like to see something happen, but it, the old firm uh, dynamic is taken out of the kind of pressure cooker of Scotland, where we're made to play each other at least four times a year. That really doesn't help. You know, it's always Rangers, Celtic, nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, and moved to the other side of the world, to a completely different climate, and actually maybe have a chance where you could have, you know, a, a massive crowd at a Rangers Celtic game that's all Rangers and Celtic fans, expats, and they're mixing together because I've got a better kind of perspective in life. I don't hold out many, you know, hopes for that, you know, but I, I think it could be a, I think it could be a healthy thing. But before that, Celtic need to be basically apologising for <laughs> the kind of, you know, their, their policy towards us for the last 10 years, which has been horrendous. You see, I, I, I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but I don't want that. I don't want an environment where I can sit and obviously it's it's different because I don't live in Australia. Um, but I've lived abroad. And even then, I never felt like I was in a place where I would want to sit next to a, a Celtic fan at a football game. And it's one of the things I find, I know I'm actually sat here in a rugby shirt at the minute. It's one of the things I find weird about rugby 
Um, but then I, I also I'm a big fan of non-league football, which is all desegregated and and yeah. everyone just mixes together. But I don't. I actually think, and it's it, it's not very like me to to kind of launch into footed at the senior management of our club. Um, I think this is a real miscalculation. Now again, it, there's there's clearly big dollar signs flashing up here about about how much we stand to make, not just in terms of the revenue from the game, but the potential from generating and developing new markets over there. I, I fully understand that. Um, I think to a degree it's a slippery slope. I, it doesn't sit right with me anyway of um, trying to sell football as a commodity and as a product. Um, no, no. I, I hate. I I'm living in London, I can benefit from it, but I hate the idea of the NFL games coming over here for a regular season game. Um, is you know it's the same with Major League Baseball now. They have it's not like it's exhibition games. It's part of their part of their league season. They come and play these games here away from their fans because it's more important to generate revenue away from it. So I'm I'm uncomfortable with that side of it anyway. But the fact that it's with it, I'm, again, sorry, this is all hypothetical because it's not been confirmed. But there's nothing, not a single fibre of me that has anything friendly to say about them. So to play in a friendly with them, I just think it's it's misread the room. The one the one thing I would the one thing I would say, Ross, um, is that. What I'm talking about specifically is well, the very reason we don't we don't want to get into this too much is because online you see it online and 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 Twitter doesn't help any rivalry you know as, as we know um, but basically in a situation where Celtic fans are slagging Rangers for the Ibrox disaster and Rangers fans are slagging Celtic for child abuse that's horrific that's that's just beyond the pale you know these things. And if it can if it can dilute it just down to the kind of um, friendlier, as in you know, right, we're going to get a bit upset. There might be a few fisticuffs in the stands if we're sitting next to each other in the same way as it would be at the juniors or whatever. You know, <laughs> as I've seen it at the juniors, then that's that's what I'm kind of aiming for. You want to keep that passion. You're never going to get rid of it anyway. But when passion just becomes toxic, and and the, the stuff I've the stuff we've all seen over the last ten years. Um, would, would put you off the game if you if it wasn't if I wasn't so entrenched in football the way I was um, during the 2012 basically there's every chance I would have I, I would never have started supporting the Rangers or Celtic you know seeing what goes on around about them uh, if I was if I was just arriving at it at that time um, but that's why before we can even think about having any kind of friendly uh, with Celtic they need to step up and admit to what they were doing the last 10 years and and just bring an official end to it and bloody apologise. Mm-hmm. Well, look, my my little timer here says that for our 30-minute preview show today, uh, we've spoken 19 minutes previewing a match that might not even be happening. Um, and I just, I just realised I better qualify. What I'm talking about with Celtic better apologise is their attitude towards Rangers. There's other stuff that goes beyond right, apologise. Yeah, you know, I yeah, take yeah, him yeah. To, to, to think... You know, that's what I was talking about. I'll take more than a mere apology. No, of course, of course. Um, absolutely. Look, let's 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 move on and yeah, uh, let's talk about a club we really hate, St. Johnston. No, um <laughs> yeah, I had I had two segues worked out for this part. It was either let's move on to talk about a club we really hate, or one about how we're gonna move from uh, a game on the east coast of Australia. Let's now move to the west coast. We're going to Perth tomorrow. That's, that's, that's a wee yeah, bit sort yeah. of geography in there. Sometimes there's too there's too many segues to choose from. Yeah, it's just just too smooth. You know? Exactly. And if this wasn't a live show, what I'd have done is I'd done them both and I'd let Frankie choose in the edit afterwards <laughs> which one which one was better. Neither of them were good. Thing is, that's that's the problem. But right, we are going to talk about um, 
about a trip to Perth, St Johnston. Um, St Johnston, a club that kind of had a strange level of success last season, winning two cups. Um, didn't do didn't do much in the league, but I guess if you win two cups, it doesn't really matter what you do in the league if you're if you're outside the Rangers or Celtic. Um, really, really struggling this year. They've moved off the bottom of the of the league, but in a really precarious position. Callum Davidson, you know, has actually himself admitted in the last couple of months that his job is probably under some degree of threat. As I say, they they've they've had I don't I think they they had a win and a draw in their last two games, but um, not an inspiring team, I suppose, so far this season. I'm having a quick look at some of their stats there. Their, their top goal scorer has scored four goals this season. Um, their top assist provider has provided two assists. Um, and I think I'm right in saying that he's actually on loan from Rangers and won't be playing tomorrow. Um, so Plain. hopefully not a game that can cause us any problems. But at uh, sort of 3.45, 4 o'clock on Sunday, I was thinking this is in... 45 minutes, it's not going to cause us any problems and look where that got us. Um, I guess, Alex, first question is, what kind of a reaction are you hoping to see uh, as we travel up to Perth tomorrow? I think we, just a win. I mean, we just, uh, we're, we're beyond the point of, uh, I mean, obviously it's got to be a reaction uh, to what was pretty much a disaster on Sunday. Um, but we're looking at this being our first league away win of 2022. You know, and we're in March. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm I might be getting that wrong just off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure the only away games we've won in 2022, one after the other, Galabank and the Westfallen, you know, which is which is pretty impressive, you know, but it's pretty varied. But uh, I, I think we're looking at what is it three? We've had three wins in eight league games since uh, since the break was shifted by Celtic. So we come back after that that break. Um, so uh, we just need we just need a win. We just need to get the points on the board. We've just been it's been like uh, holding a, a colander under a waterfall or something like that. The way we've been shipping points, it's been it's been horrendous. Um, there's reasons for that. There's you know there, there's possible excuses. I think we can't just have two epic performances. I can't be going about calling the two games against Dortmund just like two of the greatest games of my life, and certainly two of the greatest efforts I've ever seen from a Rangers team, and then be overly harsh when you know they then slip up in the following league games. You know, especially at Tannadice, eh, when we were, I, I think we played in United off the park, almost did everything but score that other goal. Um, Sunday, different gravy altogether, but that's what it's that's that's what's been happening. I don't know, but, you mean, I, but it seems to be we don't even slip up in a consistent way. There's a kind of general malaise up at Petodre, the first game back after the break, a few suspensions, a few injuries, and you know, guys away to Africa Cup of Nations or whatever. Um, you have as you know, individual horrendous individual errors you wouldn't expect from Alan McGregor at, at Dingwall. You know, that you then have hey, we're two goals up and it's at home. That's where first points were dropped at home under Geo. First goals have conceded domestically under Geo eh, in Sunday there. Then I see you get the game against uh, the United at Tandice where we were absolutely sensational in all but our finishing. Um so it's all different ways we're dropping the points. I think we're just let's not kid ourselves at Rangers if we're saying we want to see consistency, we want to see consistent winning. But um, yeah, as everybody's been saying, we're running out of games, but I'm not, we are only three points behind Celtic. They've, I, I think if you take away our results and look at their performances in isolation, they struggled against the Dundee team who look like, well, St. Johnson have won a watch with, with them getting Mark McGee on board. They're, they're, they're not going to finish bottom. Uh, St. Although they're still, Dundee have a game in hand on them and they're only two points behind St. Johnson. But um, it looks like Dundee are going to fall away and Celtic took till the 90th minute to beat them. Couple of weeks ago, and then they've struggled 
uh, against Hibs on Sunday. But it's weird them letting them away with it. You know, we we we're letting them away these these slip ups. But I still have faith that um, Celtic will slip up. I think Postecoglou runs them into the ground. You know, it's a very I think it's 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 very kind of energy based, and it wouldn't surprise me if that energy starts slipping a bit. Although they're out of Europe, so that would help them. But Mate, we just got a long ramble shot. We need to win. We just we just need to win. And the only thing that worries me is Johnson are now so cut adrift in that playoff spot after their kind of seven-pointer on, on Saturday at Ross County that they might be so relaxed that they've got nothing to lose tomorrow. You see, you're kind of echoing the, the, the comments that we're getting here on the stream. It, it really is just about winning. And um, I, I, there's a comment from Arizona Bay, 10 games left, they're all cup finals. It is, it is a cliche, but it is true. Um, and it... I think I mentioned to you on Sunday that the, this league is going to be decided not necessarily by who, which is the best footballing side Rangers or Celtic. It's who makes, uh, who has enough sort of stupid performances and drops more stupid Aye. points. Um, and as you say, coming back from the winter break at the moment, it's looking like us. Um, but um, it's it is that lack of that lack of consistency that, that's causing us the problems. You mentioned Postacoglu running players into the ground, which I think we've seen that with with, with their injury record over the season. But we are struggling on that front as well. I think I'm right in saying after the press conference today, we, we're still without Halander, uh, we're without Davis, we're still without Ramsey. We didn't see Ryan Jack at all at the weekend. Um, I think Diallo might be missing as well. Yes, um, yeah. We, we are missing key, key players, um, many of whom, I mean, the, the, the Jack came back for three or four games. Ramsey hasn't played 90 minutes. Hollander came back and has disappeared again. Davis wasn't really playing anyway, and Diallo was sitting on the bench. So presumably these guys are getting injured in, in training sessions or something like that. Um, what does that do for the for the lineup tomorrow? I guess it means there's not as much rotation as we would have liked to have seen. I think, I think for the general confidence, um, when you're thinking that we're looking tired to suddenly not have key players available. Uh, I, I think all of us were a bit, you're probably going to come out and talk about that, Ross, but we're a bit concerned about maybe a lack of rotation on Sunday. I mean, you're doing nothing up. You don't get the Geo's a genius. He knows. He knows what he's doing. But um, I know we've got problems with, we're, it's, it's, we're hating it. We're all hating it as fans. Alan McGregor is, I would say, after last season, we tend to the greatest Rangers goalkeeper, certainly of my life. Um, and we hate the fact that we're even worried about him. Um, but we are worried about him, and that can spread through a defence. But I think also, I think Motherwell just, they, they did what they did the first time they were at Ibrox this season. They just went for it in the second half. They had nothing to lose. They just went for broke, and we didn't seem to have any ideas. And that's the thing that reeks of tiredness. It reeks of fatigue. Um, and you, you want to see the manager kind of changing it up. And I, he was talking to the press conference today about just picking the best players for the job and kind of making noises about them all being having the energy required. So he doesn't seem to think that's a problem. Um, I sound like I'm getting on to Geo, but I just, we're worried. We're a bit worried about, about, about what's happening and why so many players are missing so often, you know, and um, I think we we want to see a bit more rotation. But it's, it, it, I think what sums it up is, for example, on Sunday, when you see Fashion Sakala in the lineup, you think, yeah, perfect. That's what I'm expecting to see after what we watched on Thursday night, the effort involved, Fashion Sakala didn't play. He's the guy to get on that park and just run about. But he goes off. He gets subbed off. It's not some of the players you'd expect to be absolutely knackered and needing to get subbed off. It's just, I don't know. And Listen, we're only, we're only three points behind. Um, we are looking at a manager who's taken over a team uh, mid-season. You know? So 
it's not. I'm sounding a bit pessimistic because I'm not all is lost, but I'm just a bit confused just now as to as to what we'll do. And confused emotionally as well, because we're having some massive highs in there, but every time in the league we're just shipping points and it's it's getting quite depressing. Do you think that the um the constant absences of of, of those players and those are key players that I mentioned a moment ago, um has that prevented us from I, I guess really settling on a on a, on a first choice. Like the, the comment we have here from Graham is that that stopped us from getting a settled first eleven, um, and that's particularly hampered us in defence. Hollander, long term absentee, absentee. Uh, Balogun, he's been in and out, I suppose, more out than in over the course of the season. Barisic not been injured, but form has not been good enough to to warrant being a starting left back. Has it really? I, I guess pose that pose that problem to Gio, whereby he he cannot settle on a on, on a best 11 I don't think he wants to either and I, I, I think it's he's one of these guys you know we're stereotyping the Dutch has been very comfortable tactically and I think for example Stephen Gerrard Michael Beale they come in this is, this is a, one of my great half-assed theories but as, as Brits they're coming into a dressing room full of Brits and saying right guys we're going to try something different and it puts a fear of God into a bunch of British players but when it's a Dutchman coming in especially one who's played in the World Cup final and what have you and you've got Roy Mackay backing you up and he's saying, right, we're going to just switch to, to three at the back at second half against Dortmund. Aye, no bother, because he believes in it, because he's Dutch, he knows it's going to work. And I think there's a lot of that going on. And I've seen a lot of uh, comfort with ta- tactical, not a great amount compared to what you see in the continent, but for Rangers, I, I, I think we've seen a lot of comfort with tactical uh, fluidity and, and in-game tactical changes in the last couple of months, which have really you know, made me really optimistic. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought we were knackered at halftime last Thursday against Dortmund. Just changed the system. I mean, we got Balogun come on, but we just kind of changed the system and we were a new team. Again, we started again and we thought we couldn't live with us. So I'm encouraged by that, but I think it's been it's getting changed so much and I've nothing against change, you know, in itself. But when you compound that with somebody like Ryan Jack, especially when he's missing, when he's suddenly not on the bench, you know, and we just seem to, we can't quite push it through whatever the plan is. I just I just worry if Gio has too much faith um, in the system, you know, or he's or he's placing too much faith in players to execute his various systems. Are there only are there only a certain amount of players in our team who are ta- tactically fluid who can who get their head around this kind of stuff changing? I, I don't know. Um, I don't care if Rangers are changing the team every week as long as we're winning. It's when it's it's when you start. It's just we're shipping too many points, which everybody knows. So there's there's something we need to see some kind of clues to as to as to, as to what the plan is. You know? And I guess one of the you referenced it a moment ago briefly. One of the key talking points since Sunday, um, and probably since the return from the winter break, has been the form of Alan McGregor. Um, as you say, uh, Ross County was was directly at fault for a couple of goals. Could have definitely done better uh, on Sunday as well. Um, he he was cemented, as you say, as a Rangers legend last year. Um, but there is a, a an ongoing debate at the moment about taking him out of the side. Now, Gio seems to have given him his backing, given him a bit of a vote of confidence. Um, we've spoken a lot about confidence players on this show um, in, in the past. McGregor's not one of those that I would immediately pick as a confidence player. But I suppose being in goal um, is, is slightly different to anywhere else. But I, I guess if you really boil the debate down to leave him in or take him out for the next game where do you come down on that I um, I think it's a confidence position you know in that it will spread a lack of confidence pretty damn quickly 
Yeah. If you don't think your goalkeeper's coming off his line, you know, I know the point of it, um, Colin's been talking about this, and we've all been talking about this the past few weeks. And I, I, I'm doing that thing. I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding the issue. I don't want to say it, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, put it that way, if McLaughlin started tomorrow night, and I wouldn't be upset about McLaughlin starting. But I am upset about any kind of you know potential demise of Alan McGregor, you know, because uh, the guy is a bit of a god to me. He's absolutely phenomenal, and I really just say this from a place of total love for Alan McGregor. You know, I, I hate it, but. I think it was Ross County for me. That was the one. There's been a lot of, you know, Hibs, the Cup Semi, Malmo. There was times you're thinking he's looking a bit slow going down there, but the whole team was slow at that point. We looked like we're having a hangover from last season. But I think at Dingwall, that was a man who's confident. To me, it's like you don't get confidence in your body anymore. And it's a, it's a, again, it's an easy hit. A guy who's 40 years old, it's easy to go for that. You know, you maybe see what you want to see. Maybe he's been told not to come off his line. Maybe that's what your centre-halves are happy with. But... As the boys were talking about uh, on, on Sunday and we've talked in previous shows, the goals we're losing are horrific. They're not, it's it's not worldies we're losing to. We're scoring worldies, but we're, it's it's real high maintenance. We seem to be unable to convert the amazing amount of chances we're creating. And yet we are conceding to the two chances that we allow the opposition. That on, on Sunday, I was... You know, I, I know we don't do excuses at Rangers, you know, but I think we, I'm kind of like 33.333% the officiating for at least two of the decisions. You know, one, one of the goal was offside. It uh, should have been a red card, that tackle on goal, that assault on Goldson. I'm 33% uh, the players, you know, because both goals are so blatantly avoidable. It was unbelievable. It was quite embarrassing and worrying, really. Um, and I'm kind of 33% on the manager for not <laughs> seeing what was seeing what was happening, I diagnosing it straight away as soon as Motherwell were coming at us that way in, in the second half, as soon as you got the first goal, or not changing it at half time to kind of re-energise and build on the two because we're finding that one of the times I'm getting most scared about Rangers is actually when we're in front. We don't seem to be able to back it up. We don't seem to be able to take it on to the next the next stage since we've come back from the Christmas break. So to put it all on McGregor's unfair, but I think it's the I, I think those two goals at Ross County that you lost just looked like a guy who had his confidence is gone uh, in his own body and he's basically almost throwing the ball in the back of his own net. And you know, I'd never thought I'd see the day with Alan McGregor. You get, like, remember Gorham and McGregor did the same thing with it at their peak, but at their top, they would do that thing where they don't go for it. You know, they're, they're so good that they also know when they're beaten. Now, Andy Gorham, particularly, used to be out practically at the 18-yard line, screaming at his defenders before some opposition players had had their shot because he knew it was going to top corner and his defence had let him down. You know, there's nothing he could do about it. That's not what's happening with McGregor when he's, he's standing in his line and watching these balls in the back of the net. You know, I think he's, I think his legs are going um, and that, that leads to his all-round agility going. And uh, it's a sad thing for me to say. I hope I'm wrong, but no, nah, I, I would have McLaughlin tomorrow night, mate. Yeah, and I think McLaughlin, you know, if, if I'm not mistaken, has just signed a a new deal to us at the end of 2024 or is it a new four-year deal um the, the number four is in my head whatever it is but um that was one of those mixed messages things ross yeah that, that, when that got announced like practically at midnight after that ross county game after the game at dingle it's like and then, and then geo's at the press conference you know before the next game saying no no that, that's you know alan's and he was yeah. he was back in nets for the celtic game yeah you know but it seemed like a kind of mess it seemed a bit you know it, if, if you were wanting to completely back up McGregor, you would not have, you know, announced the signing of a new contract by the backup goalkeeper 
um, within hours of making those ricks. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, no, I agree. Look, just just to wrap up, one of the things that's um, uh, most particularly disappointed, annoyed, and, and and probably upset me this season is the way that it's allowed questions about mentality of players to creep back in. You remember that two, three, four seasons ago, a lot of the questions we were asking was, are these players mentally up for it? They didn't have, they'd never had experience of winning anything. Do they have the mentality? Are they resilient enough to play for Rangers and to win for Rangers? And last season obviously blew that out of the water, right? Unbeaten in in, in the league. And um, the questions of uh, have they got it mentally with some of the performances that we had, like going to Parkhead and um, that, that last old firm game of the season where we, you know, just absolutely embarrassed them. Um, I think it really answered a lot of those questions about mentality, but they are starting to creep back in. Uh, do Rangers have the stomach and the resilience for a close title fight? Now, a question that I'm asking isn't how do you feel about that? It's is there something here for St. Johnston to exploit? If there is a weakness mentally, if there is pressure being lumped on, um, Rangers failed to capitalise on Celtic dropping points before us. We knew what we had to go and do. If, if St. Johnston can sense a vulnerability there, do you worry that there's something that they can take advantage of? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think we're looking at uh, the, the, the two teams playing tomorrow night, the two clubs with the, with the big hangovers, you know, because they had, you know, unbelievably connected you know, freakishly almost successful seasons compared to where they'd been the previous season. I think, I was saying this to you um, on Sunday when the, the microphones weren't picking us up, you know, it was all gold dust, folks. It was all gold dust, you missed. Um, I feel as if we're actually having Gerard's third season this season. You know, we're, we're, we're in there and it looks like, you know, we're falling away, but then we're coming back. It's it's tight. And then we should go on and do the, you know, unbeaten 25 points clear thing, you know, in the fourth season, but it seems to have gone the other way around. Um, I, I'm not. There's a lot. There's a lot of people I see on Twitter um, saying, for example, that you know, it's it's all Rangers, young Rangers fans who who don't know what it's like to be involved in a title fight that are complaining. No, it's all guys like me, because the young dudes, all they remember is Celtic winning constant trebles and Rangers being nowhere near the title. You know, so it was only two years ago that that was still the case. So it's not the youngsters that have got a problem with a title race. It's, it's all guys like me who know that if you, it, it just takes one game, you know, and, and you will chuck it to potentially a worse, you know, not as good a Celtic team as um, as we've, we've, we've beaten in the past to the title. So I, I, I think physicality affects your mentality um, as a sportsman. You know, I say this as a, you know, obviously a trained athlete myself, but I think it really... I think if your body's not right, if you're exhausted, whatever, it's very difficult to make the right decisions um, and just to get yourself over the line. And we are so close so often. It's just a jewel, an ounce, just a little millimetre out. I, I last on, on Sunday there, I thought, we win this game today against Motherwell with Celtic slipping up. We've won the league. That's it. I thought the previous thing, when we were pounding and United, having just equalised, I thought, this goes in, it's going to be so dramatic, it's going to be such a celebration, it's going to be, that's it, we've got momentum. So I can't think that in one, I can't think that one minute and then the next minute be like, it's all over, you know, but it, we've just never really had that that click into real, you know, title winning form against the teams that we need to be at the venues, need to win to show that we are title winning contenders and yet we're still only three points off. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that is a good point. We are still only three points off despite all of the, disappointment and, and hurt that we all felt on Sunday and, and, and anger and frustration, we are three points off. It's not done. 
as we said earlier in the show, this season is going to be defined by who drops more stupid points. We've dropped a lot of stupid points since the turn of the winter break. Um, we seem to do that quite regularly, is that we come back from the winter break unprepared or with a complete change in mindset. Um, but the season's not over. They have they have not been blowing teams away. They have also been dropping points. Um, it's not over. It's, it's As I say, it's all about who drops more stupid points and has more stupid games between now and the end of the season. Um, with that in mind, it does feel like tomorrow is very, very important. Uh, and given the context of, uh, of, of of the game on Sunday, given the fact that Celtic are going to uh, to Livingston, I think, tomorrow, it's either tomorrow or at the weekend, a place that they... Yeah, I think St Mirren tomorrow. St Mirren tomorrow, you're right, St Mirren at home tomorrow than, uh, than Livingston away at the weekend, a place that they cannot buy a win, um, a place that seems to really have some kind of hold over them. Um, points will be dropped. Maybe not there, but, but somewhere. Yeah. So very, very important tomorrow to, to, to get three points on the board and either close that gap or keep it at three points. So, um, gents, I think that that's probably going to wrap things up. We've, we've probably rambled on a little bit longer than we should have done, but, but plenty of interesting stuff to get through. A massive thank you, as always, to Alex for, for giving up his time to come and give us the benefit of his wins, uh, his wisdom this evening. And thanks as well to everyone who's, who's joined us on the YouTube stream. There's been plenty of chat and plenty of comments going on in there. I really appreciate that as well. As I say, the show will be available for download first thing tomorrow morning, wherever you get your podcast from. So please do give us a like and a subscribe make sure you never miss a thing the show will be back uh, at the weekend on sunday that's 9 30 p.m uh, on the jersnet youtube stream just keep an eye on the jersnet twitter page if you need the, the link um and of course we will always be available for download first thing on a monday morning um until then i really hope you enjoy the game tomorrow uh fingers crossed for three points get back to winning ways and uh have a great rest of your week bye for now